This is ESPN Radio. The Baltimore Ravens, for a long time, Ian, the conversation's been that their investment in wide receiver, the weapons around Lamar Jackson, have not paid off. It's very obvious where they have spent their focus this offseason, right? Bringing in two veteran wide receivers that they hope help that equation in OBJ and Nelson Aguilar. And then you heard it mentioned there, and you have mentioned it time and time again on this show, drafting Zay Flowers there in the first round. Zay Flowers is going to be a star. He's a burner. I mean, the numbers he put up at Boston College on a really bad football team were jaw-dropping. And when we were on our draft coverage with uh, Chris Carlin, Chris Canty, and Mike Tannenbaum, Canty and Mike T wouldn't shut up about Zay Flowers. And when the when the Ravens grabbed him, man, I, I thought Canty was going to do a victory lap around the entire set. I mean, it, it, he is he, he's just a difference. I mean, he, a true difference maker. And he can take the top off of defense. I mean, when – when he breaks off a route, it's it's impressive. So Zay Flowers to me is a name for you fantasy football freaks out there. You might want to get him. You know, not early in whatever your drafts are. I don't play. I've never played fantasy football, but he's going to put up some numbers. But to me, it's not even about the wideout position, Amber. When it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, the running back room's got to get healthy. Mm-hmm. With J.K. Dobbins, who hasn't practiced yet, and John Harbaugh said yesterday, look, when J.K. decides he's healthy and ready to come back and swap some paint. That's when we'll see J.K. Dobbins back on a practice field for Baltimore. Gus Edwards has to stay healthy. And also on the defensive end. I was part of a call of a Ravens game recently in Pittsburgh when they had to go for two to try and win the game in the waning moments of the fourth quarter instead of kicking an extra point to go to overtime because they didn't have enough defensive backs to be able to defend in overtime. That's why they had to go for two. They have been snake-bitten, not just on the offensive side, with Lamar Jackson in the last month of the of the last two seasons with their running backs, but also on the back end of their defense. So if they can stay healthy, and that's pretty much any team, but especially this team, if they can stay healthy and some of these young guys like Zay Flowers deliver what I think they can, this is going to be one hell of a football team. With all those injuries last season, including to Lamar Jackson, and Lamar Jackson finished the season injured and maybe also hamming up those injuries a little bit because of the contract situation. With all of those injuries, the Baltimore Ravens still finished second in their division. They still finished 10-7. and They still barely lost to the Bengals, if not for a defensive touchdown by Sam Hubbard for the Bengals. So still a good season by all accounts, just not the season we expect when we look at this roster. And they didn't make a ton of moves here. I mean, they bring in those two vet wide receivers they bring in a veteran corner in free agency they haven't been terribly active but they feel like they've given Lamar Jackson what he needs once again here and hopefully that investment this time pans out you know a lot more about Zay Flowers than I do I will take your word for that that Zay Flowers is going to be a stud in the NFL Lamar Jackson needs to clean up his protection of the ball you referenced all the interceptions over the last couple seasons. He also needs to stay healthy in these injury-riddled seasons. If those things happen, there's every reason to believe that this Ravens team could truly compete for the division this season and win the division. In terms of the draft, other than just Zay Flowers, they used all the rest of their picks basically on defense. I mean, Trenton Simpson, Tavius Robinson being the biggest names from that perspective. So they're investing heavily in a defense that was already good. The other biggest change, though, I think, 
is the change in OC. And it's going to be a completely different system under Todd Munkin than we saw under Greg Roman. There's supposed to be a lot more speed to it, right? There's supposed to be a lot more innovative play calling, a lot more sort of trickery, a lot more athleticism utilized overall in Todd Munkin's system. We'll see what all of that looks like and if that's the new jumpstart there for the Ravens that they needed. If Lamar can stay healthy, I have a lot of expectations for this Ravens team based on this roster and also based on that head coach. Yeah, and also in a very difficult division. But you yeah, bring up well. Todd Monken. Just go watch Georgia's game film the last two years when they won, when they've won back-to-back national championships. He's an architect. And I'll, I'll be honest, when, he, when, when I saw the news that Monken was leaving Georgia as the assistant head coach and offensive coordinator, where zero, not a lot of pressure, he's making well over a million dollars, having a blast, I was surprised that he actually left like Valhalla when it comes to college football right now and coaching. Because that coaching staff in, at Georgia, they're like a fraternity. I mean, they, they're up there, you know, 14-hour days, 15-hour days. But you talk to anybody inside those walls, it's a very tight-knit group. Like They'll take these 45-minute breaks, and they're just crushing each other. It's a very close community on that Georgia coaching staff. And Monken was right in the middle of it. He leaves, and maybe in part because – you know, a lot of coaches in college right now, the portal and NIL are driving them to take you know, other gigs. But he took a, he had a coordinator's offer with a really good team, with a star-type quarterback in Baltimore. And I get all that. I was still surprised that he left Georgia to go to the National Football League. But I promise you, if you're a Ravens fan, you're getting an innovative, forward-thinking mind in your offensive coordinator. You'll see Lamar Jackson a bit more under center. You're going to see him stretching the field more. That's where Zay Flowers comes into play. Todd Monken is an absolute genius when it comes to designing and scheming a team into bad looks. I think I think Todd Monken was a home run hire and a coup to get him out of Georgia. It's why I wasn't shocked when he took the job, frankly, because I guess I think of Todd Munkin as that guy who is an innovator and he is truly like an X's and O's kind of guy where he's doing things with that offense that we haven't seen before. He's a playbook guy. And when you're in college, you got to be just a recruiting guy at this point, right? I mean, you have to spend so much time and not like, obviously he was great in terms of being that coordinator with the playbook at Georgia as well, running that offense. But you got Bennett point, as a fourth round pick. But what? But like <laughs> to your point, though, like so much of your time now is spent yeah. in college. Whether you're a coordinator or a head coach, anybody on that coaching staff in college, so much of it is spent recruiting, and now you're also recruiting the portal on top of it. So that's your real primary skill set in college. Maybe he w- he didn't want to deal with any of that anymore because he's a guy who is more into sort of the X's and O's and sitting in the room and coming up with these crazy plays. And you can do that at the NFL without having to worry about all the recruiting components of things right and also with the most elite talent that you can get as good as Georgia was it ain't the Baltimore Ravens yeah and so you're not, I wasn't you're not shocked getting that, that phone call that at 1 a.m from a guy on the west coast and you're on the east coast hey coach right. how you doing about some 17 year old he's not dealing with that anymore and, right. and that that's that, that is Shangri-La for a lot of coaches who are going from college to the pros but I'm a big Todd Monken guy but a big thing also we talk about Lamar's health and you just brought it up earlier that running back room, J.K. Dobbins has got to get healthy because when he is healthy, he's a threat. And a lot of help there for oh, yeah. Lamar in the backfield. And Lamar doesn't just need the weapons at wide receiver, but he certainly does need some help there in the backfield as well. You mentioned the division. 
I think this is, this is a team that can compete at the top of the division with the Bengals. That's not a hot take because obviously they did that even last season when Lamar was injured and they had injuries all over that team. The Pittsburgh Steelers, the Cleveland Browns, that's interesting though this season, right? Whereas last season we didn't have to deal with the Cleveland Browns because Deshaun Watson was suspended for 11 games and there was only so much expectation they were going to have in a season like that. Who knows what Deshaun Watson is going to be this season? Is he going to look like a top three quarterback in the league like he once did, right? like 2019 Deshaun Watson with the Houston Texans, the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's Mike Tomlin. You can never count him out. Kenny Pickett, he looked good at the end of last season there in Pittsburgh. So I don't have much expectations for that Steelers team, but I think it's coached by one of the best coaches, if not the best coach in the entire NFL. It's a tough division. It's a much tougher division this year than it looked like it was last year. And I, I think, although I expect Baltimore to be right there at the top of it, I think it's something that could certainly become very problematic. And you, it, man, I think you called this team snake bitten, right? Like that has yep. been the story of the Baltimore Ravens the last two seasons. They've got to stay healthy. It's, it's been uncanny to watch the injuries that they have sustained and still be competitive. But you mentioned mm-hmm. that the depth of this division, I'll be brutally honest. Right now, it, on paper, it looks deep. But going into last season, the AFC West – like, like, we might have at least three out of four teams in the postseason. We thought it was and, like the hardest division right, in the history of football. Right. And then everybody and sucked except for the Chiefs. Stunk. I mean, the char- two teams made the playoffs. In fact, we had some people saying, hey, could all four get in? Right. We really don't know. Come, on, on paper, we, see, we, we have one thing. We see one aspect of it. But once you start swapping paint and things that, and everything is now live – Things change in a hurry, and again, I can't emphasize this enough. You go back to 1990 when the playoffs expanded then, this is a historical fact. Nearly half the teams that made the postseason in the NFL the previous year will not make it the following year. So right now, the AFC North looks deep. It looks like you could get three out of four in, and the fourth might be a team around 500. But really, that's on paper. We'll find out, like the AFC West, what we really have once this bad boy kicks off in about, oh, 29 days. That's what's so great about the NFL. It ends up being completely unpredictable. We all think we can predict it. We all feel good about our our knowledge in trying to predict it, and none of us predict it. I mean, nobody predicts it. The guys playing in it don't predict it, right? The guys coaching it don't predict it. I mean, it is such a difficult sport to predict because things happen. Injuries happen at such a high clip in that sport, and things can change so quickly. In terms of that division, this could easily be Mike Tomlin's first losing season ever. Not given we said that last season. He or he might off, win the it, whole damn it thing. It could be. Or he could win the whole thing. He could shock us, right? His quarterback takes that next leap, and all of a sudden it's like a Jalen Hurts leap, and all of us are dumbfounded because, you know, it, it's not at all what we expected. That is completely true. It could happen with the Browns this season as well. Maybe the Bengals take some sort of step back there. That calf injury for Joe Burrow, maybe it actually hinders him all season long. There's a lot of factors to be had here on paper. The Baltimore Ravens should be very good this season. And Lamar Jackson should be, on paper at least, out of excuses because they certainly have tried to load that team around him with weapons. Coming up next here on ESPN Radio and on ESPNU, the Commanders players are struggling with Eric Bieniemy's intensity. Should Ron Rivera have shared this information? That's next. ESPN Radio is also on the ESPN app. This is ESPN Radio.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, Electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C ebikes.com. Lots of opinions about Eric Bieniemy's coaching style. Is it going over well with everybody there in Washington? Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons hanging out with you here on ESPN Radio, which is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. So there's been some stuff made about Eric Bieniemy's hard-nosed approach to coaching, and maybe not all the players in Washington are accustomed to it. Maybe they're not all taking to it. The head coach of the Commanders, Ron Rivera, he was asked about this. He was asked, have players adapted to Eric Bieniemy's intensity and have any struggled with it at times? Here's Ron Rivera. A lot of these young guys, you know, they do struggle with certain certain things. Um, and a lot of you also got to take for where they've been. I mean, guys coming from certain programs are used to it. Guys come from other programs aren't as much. So, you know, I, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. You know, Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change and, and, and because he believes in it. So he believes in it. He's got his approach. Presumably it's why you hired him, right, because you liked his approach. Otherwise, why would you have made him your OC, Ian, you and I took those comments. We didn't seem to have a huge problem with it. Other people did. We felt like that was Ron Rivera more sending a message to his players. And when I'm reading how the question was worded, I mean, it was it was worded, Eric Bieniemy, you know, his intensity. Are the players taking to it? Do any of them have an issue with it? That actually even to me signals even more that it's it's about the players. It's a message to the players that Ron Rivera is sending saying, yes, they have their struggles. They need to adopt to this system. This is Eric Bieniemy's approach. This is who he is, and this is why he's here. And it, that also leads me to, to feel that a few players went to media members that they, you know, trust or, you know, are, are acquaintances with and said, man, this dude's riding my butt. I mean, he, he's, he's over the top. You know, I can't handle this guy, whatever it may be, right? And to, to lead to that question, and then Ron Rivera answered it. I'm with you. I thought it was a message from Rivera to his players. This guy's got two rings. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion as the assistant head coach and offensive coordinator for Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and the Kansas City Chiefs. Not to hear them complaining about it. If you want to win, listen to the man. If he wants you to be more intense and give more effort, then you got to get thicker skin because that guy's got skins on the walls and we don't. So listen to him or else. That's how I took it from Ron Rivera. Now, Kimberly Martin, 
referenced the part where, and I didn't hear this part until until Kmart, uh, you know, talked about how Ron Rivera referenced Jack Del Rio and his head coaching experience as well. Give it a listen. You know, us as a coach, you know, I, I kind of have to assimilate and get a feel for everybody. You know, Eric has an approach, and it's the way he does things, and he's not going to change and, and, and because he believes in it. Jack has his approach. You know, um, having been a head coach, I think Jack has a tendency to try and figure guys out a little bit more as opposed to, hey, this is it, this is the way it's going to be, that type of stuff, where Eric Eric hasn't had that, 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 uh, that experience yet. Does now, that change your mind hearing that, that portion of the it, answer? It should, he shouldn't have said that. And, and we've known Ron Rivera for a long time. And that, that's something that, you know, it almost, that felt almost like a shot at the enemy, even though I don't believe it was intended to be a shot at the enemy. I think the first part of what you heard from Rivera, that was a direct shot toward his players. Toughen up. You haven't won anything. That guy's got two rings. Toughen up. That part, I don't think it was intended to be a shot at the enemy. To your point, you wouldn't have hired him. You know how intense the man is. That's why you brought him in to change that attitude on the offensive side of the ball. So, but I think he walks that back today because that 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 came across as he hadn't gotten that head coaching job. He doesn't really know how to manage all the personalities on a team. But in any walk of life, certain guys react to and can be taught in a very firm way, coached in a very hard way. Some guys need to be, for lack of a better term, coddled a bit because they don't react well. CPD from Remember the Titans. I can't play for this man. He's always on me. Some guys, you can ride like Bertier. So there's different personalities with every team. But I love Eric Bieniemy's intense approach. I like that. I was one of those guys that I wanted to be coached hard. I wanted you to tell me, what I did wrong and why I did it wrong and how do I fix the stinking thing? That's Eric Bieniemy's personality, and that's something, frankly, that Washington team needs. It wouldn't go over well with me if one of our bosses here was, you know, mother bleeping me and <laughs> and being incredibly <laughs> intense. You have Justin's like in my face with the pointer figure screaming at me. You missed the heart out. That wouldn't you work well. That's just that's not the coaching style. What I kind of tease was that, Wilson? Here, right. What is that tease? Read what Nuno puts on the screen. His tease was better. I, 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 that's not necessarily the approach uh, that would work for me from and a again, leadership it goes to different perspective here at ESPN. You have to know. Yes, you have to know your audience. It's very easy to say, well, kids these days, they've all gone soft. Players, they've gone soft. Back in my day, the reality is when you are a coach at any level, you have to figure out how to reach those guys, right? And there are going to be potentially generational divides. And over the years, the different coaching styles is going to play different ways based on different generations and different players. It's one of the most remarkable things to me about these coaches that have incredible longevity, right? The Greg Popoviches of the world. The most remarkable thing to me isn't the championships. It's not even the winning. It's doing it over such a long period of time where you're bringing in Wemby and you're going to reach him now, right? And he could be your grandchild. Like that is remarkable <laughs> to me that you're able to adapt like that over the years with different styles, so I do understand that as a head coach, what Rivera is saying there, as a head coach, you have to find different ways to reach everybody. But it does feel on the back end of that comment like a shot at a guy who is a coordinator, who is, as Kimberly A. Martin said, the poster child when it comes to a guy who has been held back potentially at the coordinator position and hasn't gotten that promotion that we all know he wants 
to head coach. So it felt sort of like an unnecessary shot. I wonder if Ron Rivera was talking out of both sides of his mouth, where the first part of that answer is what you and I thought, where he's sending a message to his players. This is Eric Bieniemy. He ain't changing for you. Some of the guys have a problem. They're going to have to figure it out. And then the second part of that answer is Ron Rivera supporting his guys, though, right? Where he's like kind of walking it back a little bit, where he's like, well, you know, and, and Eric's approach, you know, it's not, it's not Jack's. Okay, he doesn't he doesn't adapt quite as well. So there's going to be some growing pains there where now he's kind of walking it back. He's kind of trying to appease everybody and maybe he's angering everybody in the process. Well, and, and I think intent goes a long way. I don't think he was intending to call out Eric Bieniemy as to, you know, the, the fact that he hasn't been a head coach and hasn't gotten that job. And I think he should. I think he should have been hired years ago. But he ha- but for some reason he hasn't. And maybe it is his intense personality. Who knows? I would want that again. But I don't think he intended to. You know, in the moment when you're you're having a live press conference, he went to Jack Del Rio, who has head coaching experience. You know, was he intending to call out the enemy uh, by not having a coaching experience? I don't think so, but it 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 it, it can be perceived that way, and I mm-hmm. do think he has to clear that up today. Yeah, it's just it, not that dude, right? Like that wasn't yeah. the coordinator to say that about uh, because of what we all know. But I think the message was definitely delivered journey. to his players. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, I think he's sending messages all over the place. If you really wanted to send a message to the coach that you hired, the coordinator that you hired under you, wouldn't you do that privately? A lot of these veteran coaches and the reason that you and I thought that it was Ron Rivera sending a message to his players. The reason we gave him the benefit of that doubt is because we're used to it with these vet coaches. Nothing comes out of their mouths that isn't calculated. And often they use these press conferences as an opportunity to speak to their guys. And so I was giving that deference to Eric, or I was giving that deference to Ron Rivera, that the message wasn't to Eric Bieniemy because why wouldn't he have just done that behind closed doors? But he's sending a message to his entire team a bit that this is the standard that is set here. Bieniemy isn't going to change for you. You need to change for Eric Bieniemy. It's an interesting situation. It doesn't go over well. Ron Rivera will speak to the media today before their practice. I would imagine that this thing will be addressed again. And in my calculation, there's a few ways this, this could have happened. Like it probably was the players going. You know, and I know how this works. It was probably some players going to some media members. Yeah, you've had it. It could have been to that. You. It could have been Ron Rivera going to a media member on the low, off the record, like, hey, this is what's happening here. Ask me this question. Could have been that. Or it could have been an observation at training camp from the media member. But that question was coming from somewhere. (laughs) That media member didn't just pull that out of the sky. Coming up next, what does a Super Bowl champ think about players complaining about being coached too hard? We will ask him his thoughts on this situation. This is ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Is there reason to panic in Indianapolis? Amber Wilson 
Ian Fitzsimmons hanging out with you. You can find him on social at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. I know you've been here a long time, Ian. You went hard, though, with like the ESPN and the handle. Because, you know, if, ES- if it's not ESPN one day, you, you, there goes your whole handle. I'm not very on original, X Amber. Or Twitter so or whatever you it is. <laughs> You're not very original. It was simple. At Ian Fitz, college football. I was That's late to the whole Twitterverse. I would love to leave the Twitterverse, but right now I'm, we're not, I guess, not allowed to leave the Twitterverse. No, no once you're in, yeah. <laughs> there's, no get, there's no getting out. Or Xverse, uh, whatever the hell Xverse. it is. Yes, yeah, the, the Xverse, yes, the Xverse. Yes, we are, it is uh, Elon Musk's <laughs> you're an world, X-Man. apparently. <laughs> you're an X-Man. I punted Facebook years ago, so hey, social media. Yeah, I mean, social media, I've, I've considered punting on Facebook many a times. So I'm sure it's something that you don't Refreshing. regret doing. It is the only way that I have uh, some connection to certain people in my life, like family members, distant family mother members. I lost my mother also, and so she was active on Facebook. I like when Facebook feeds me the memories, and it'll be like that a comment sense. from her yeah. or a picture from her, and I kind of don't want to lose that. I don't want to lose access to her page. We just had her birthday last month in July, and people still write on her wall, you know, and I, I like seeing that, even though it's a weird thing about social oh, media yeah. that we yeah. do in memoriam, but it's, it's how it all works. Jonathan Taylor... He, right now, is in a contract dispute with the Indianapolis Colts. We know that he wants to get paid. He's one of those holdout players. But he was actually there, right? He was a hold-in type player. He was there. He was with the Colts. And now he has left training camp. He's rehabbing an ankle injury. The company line here, Ian, is going to be that he's rehabbing, that it's okay. Here is Stephen Holder, ESPN NFL Nation's Colts reporter on the latest with JT. Another day, another twist in the saga of Jonathan Taylor and the Colts. And this one, it is Jonathan Taylor stepping away from Colts camp to continue, as we just learned, uh, rehabbing that right ankle off-site. Now, what's interesting about this is you can look at it in two different ways. Is this a positive or negative development in the Jonathan Taylor story? Certainly, it may suggest that he's trying to get back on the field, getting closer. On the other hand, he's rehabbing off-site. What does that say about his relationship with the team and perhaps a lack of trust between those parties? Taylor has not rescinded his trade request. That trade request was certainly rebuffed by owner Jim Ursay, but things between the teams do not necessarily, excuse me, between the parties do not seem to be any closer to a resolution. This can't be good news, right, Ian? Right? When the guy's not there in the facility, and by the way, there are means for rehabbing in the facility, it ain't good news to me. When Holder said, does this have any kind of a, give you a feel as to how Jonathan Taylor trusts or looks at the training staff there with the Colts, the one player I thought of was Kawhi Leonard and the San Antonio Spurs. But I don't think that has anything to do right now with why JT is not with the Colts. He wants a long-term contract extension. He's coming off that ankle injury. And you're right. The team is going to put the, the message out there, hey, he's just leaving and rehabbing on his own. Well, to your point also, guess what? They have some pretty damn good doctors on uh, right there at the facility, and he's not using them. This is not about rehabbing somewhere else to me. I, I think you're spot on. I think this is about Jonathan Taylor, again, disgruntled, obviously very distant at camp, uh, and he, he left. Why? Yeah, he may be getting, he, he's probably getting treatment, but also he doesn't want to be around that franchise right now because he wants that long-term deal. And think about what JT's done. I had to make sure I have these numbers right. The most games of 150 rush yards 
plus a rushing touchdown in the first three seasons of a running back's career in the Super Bowl era. It's Earl Campbell, number one with nine, Terrell Davis with seven, LaDainian Tomlinson with seven, Jonathan Taylor with six, tied with Eric Dickerson. The rest He's of those guys too. are in Canton. Yep, right? I mean, he so is that too. That's how good the running back out of Wisconsin. Not good. That's how great he has been. And he wants a long-term deal right now. The Colts and Jim Irsay are very firm, kind of like Jerry Jones and Zach Martin, on not giving a new deal. And JT said, you know what? I'm taking my bum ankle, I'm taking my ball and my bucket hat, and I'm getting the hell out of Dodge. Another running back that's on pace to be a Hall of Famer and another running back, right, who's having to fight to get paid. And to me, he's the most important player on that team. You just mentioned all the fancy stats that he's put up here over the last few years. That dude is 24 years old, 24 years old, but he's a running back. And we've seen this now time and time again. We've talked about that extensively this offseason. It's interesting because now he has the ankle injury. We all knew about the ankle injury. So he's rehabbing that, right? There's probably some legitimacy to that. But I was encouraged by the fact that he showed up. Like, he showed up to camp. He was there. And that felt like good news. Yeah, but physically he was there. But, Amber, did it look to you like mentally he was really engaged? Every every, every right. clip I saw, he was off in the distance or kind of moping around the sidelines. He had the, uh, what did Sean Payton call him, the Gilligan hat on? Right, the, the bucket hat. <laughs> that Sean Payton you know, is now outlawed sunglasses. or whatever for the preseason. <laughs> right. the we'll touch on that in a hat. moment. I mean, Sean Payton's got some quirky rules for he the really preseason. Does. But JT, physically he was there. I don't think at all emotionally, mentally, there was more of a disconnect than a connect when we saw him there at training camp. Well, he was on that physically unable to perform list since he showed up to training camp. So from that perspective, a little hard to evaluate, right? He has this excuse to be sitting in, right? It it feels like a contract issue, but also there is this excuse of the ankle. Now the team's using the ankle as the excuse for also why he appears to maybe be sitting out where now he is not even at camp. Now he's rehabbing in from some other facility. If things were going well in terms of contract negotiations, that dude's there. And that dude looks more engaged. There's other sources that have come out and said that it's not just the ankle, that he also has a back issue, was he one of the that. hamstring tightness. He denied that. And what we're seeing here, Ian, with these running backs is that, right? Like this, this idea that like I have a back injury as well. That's why we're not paying you. You're a running back. We have to be careful with these injuries. And these running backs are coming out like, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't true. I don't have all these other in- I have the ankle that I can't deny because everybody knows and everybody knows what happened last season, but I'm denying that back with these sources, and he's in a dogfight with the organization. He's a heck of a producer. It's got nothing to do with how good he is on the football field or whether the Indianapolis Colts trust him to still be that good. It's them not wanting to pay him long-term at that position because running backs end up fairly interchangeable. They're not in a win-now situation, but even if they were, you don't necessarily need the best running back in the league in order to win a Super Bowl, and you're concerned that even though he's only 24 years old, he won't look the same by the end of that extension. Yeah, and look, I, I've said this for years, and it's harsh, and it, but but it's it's look, the NFL is a is a harsh, cold world at times. I would draft a running back, I would run him into the ground for four years, and then I would draft another one. And then look what look what the Dallas Cowboys did with Demarco Murray, now an outstanding running backs coach for the University of Oklahoma, his alma mater. They they had him uh, in one year. He had over five hundred touches. That doesn't include you know, contact and hard hits on blitz pickups and whatnot. Over 500 touches. He led the NFL in rushing yards. And after that, he was never the same again. 
He had one more 1,000-yard rushing season, and that was it. Then retired. They used him up. And, and I hate to say this. It is, it is crass. It is harsh. But it's a reality. A lot of NFL teams do that. Why do you think Le'Veon Bell in his last year with Pittsburgh, and it didn't pan out well for him, it didn't work, mm-hmm. but I understood the logic. It was right after DeMarco Murray got used up by the Cowboys. Le'Veon Bell was in the last year of his contract. He knew that 500-plus touches was coming his way, and it was going to take a massive toll on on his body. So he sat out a year. Now, it didn't pan out, but that's the reason he did it. And that's most that's most running backs right now. That's why Ezekiel Elliott renegotiated that contract from Cabo after his third year, and Jerry stupidly paid him an astronomical sum, and he really wasn't the same back ever since then either. Right. I mean, the lifespan yeah, of a running out. back is so short, but – and it's harsh, and it's it's in, in in some form shallow, but it's a business, B. And as they said in New Jack City, and it's not personal, but that's what I would do if I'm an NFL team, and that's what a lot of NFL teams are doing. That's why Josh Jacobs right now with the Raiders wants that long term deal. That's why JT with the Colts wants that long term deal. That's why Saquon didn't get it and just got a tad bit more on a signing bonus. That's why Austin Eckler with the Chargers took more in incentives because they weren't getting that long-term deal. And that's just the cold, harsh reality of the National Football League is that the life expectancy for a running back is so much shorter than most of the positions on, on, on a football field. If I'm a GM, if I'm a head coach, I'm running you in the, into the ground. I hate to say it, but then I'm moving on. I'm drafting another one. It ain't personal. It's strictly business. And the reality is right now, there's still a ton of talent coming out of the collegiate level. So you can draft another one. You can draft them in the second, the third, the fourth round, and you can get the production that you need to actually be a championship winning team. So why bother? Why pay the dude, the monster extension, whose body's going to break down as he enters his upper 20s? It is the reality of that situation. I think the reality over time course corrects because I think that there's a bunch of young guys in middle school and high school right now that are switching positions if they have the capability of doing so. So I think the talent pool ends up shifting, but it will take years. It's not going to shift in time. And if you have a smaller talent pool, obviously, then maybe at some point, just the way supply and demand works, that the running back position ends up being coveted again because it's not easy to just replace them in the draft. But that process will take a very long time, and it's not going to happen in time for Jonathan Taylor to sort out his situation with the Indianapolis Colts. Coming up next here with Amber Wilson and Ian Fitzsimmons, I As Sean Payton gets ready to coach his first preseason game with the Broncos, he has some interesting rules, as Ian referenced, that his players need to follow. That, after Ian has this word from Granger. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people Safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This is ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Well, Sean Payton, he's got some interesting rules for the preseason. 
Amber Wilson, Ian Fitzsimmons, hanging out with you here on ESPNU and on ESPN Radio. Apparently, Peyton, Ian, uh, he's very opinionated about what players are wearing during the preseason. Here are his rules. Uniforms off after you're done playing. That doesn't seem crazy to me. No, no sunglasses. Okay. Sean Payton, he, he, he wouldn't have uh, he wouldn't have made it in the in the nightclub uh, like 10 years ago in Miami. He wouldn't have looked cool. Everybody was wearing sunglasses back then. No Gilligan hat. That's a bucket hat. Apparently, Sean Payton just having a problem with those specific hats and no interviews during the game. The no the Gilligan's hat component of this is okay. what cracks yeah. me up the most. <laughs> like what? Like that hat? Not ball caps. Not any. Like just no bucket hat. I hate bucket hats. They're ugly. Y'all ain't wearing them. <laughs> All right, Nick Saban rocks one every day in training camp, right? I mean, he has that big old cabana hat on. So, I mean, and they're from the same family tree. Uh, I, like, my brother wears a damn bucket hat every day in practice. It's sunny in Colorado. <laughs> Sometimes you need a hat. What are we talking about, Sean? Coach, but during games, like, obviously, that, that, that some of these are, are a Bill Parcells thing, where Sean Payton is a disciple of Parcells, was his offensive coordinator with the Dallas Cowboys. And – Parcells, uh, Jason Witten and Dan Campbell were tight ends together. Yes, that Dan Campbell, head coach of the Lions. They were on, on, on a Dallas Cowboys team, and Parcells would, would tell them, hey, you, you don't, don't take your cleats off, don't take your pads off until the end of the game. That's it. Done. Finished. You know. And Campbell may look over at Witt, and Witt may have been in that other category, right, where if he wanted to take his pads off, he could, and Campbell knew. Uh, if anybody's going back out there, it's not Jason Witten. It's my sorry butts. I have to stay padded. But so I don't have a problem with that old Bill Parcells rule of you know keeping your pads on and, and that's fully, why Dan Campbell's biting uniform. off kneecaps now right, right. because he came from that Parcells tree <laughs> as a player. And, and the Gilligan hat, as he calls it, that's a little over the top. But all right, you just just put on a ball cap. You know, we're going Wait, on a three-hour tour. Wrong with- what is the wrong with the Gilligan hat? Get, this is the one where I really don't get it. And it's not because I just came from the XFL where we had all access, which was amazing. You know, the world take Major League Baseball. During a World Series, Amber, you have players doing one to two question interviews in the dugout during the World Series. You've got, you know, in-game interviews in the NBA with head coaches. College football needs to come around to this because mm-hmm. this is the new era. Fans want access, especially younger fans want access. They want to hear from coaches. They, they want to hear from players as to why you called that player. Why'd you challenge that? Or would you see there? The access is, it, it, it's extraordinary and mm-hmm. it's enlightening. So in a preseason game on local networks, as you pointed out earlier, whether let's just take the Dallas Cowboys, that'll be on Blue Star. You know, the, the Dallas Cowboys local network with Babe Laufenberg and the boys. This is one where you, the in-game interview is fine. You go away from the bench area. It's about two minutes. It's pre-approved by the coach and the PR staff. It, it, that That's for fans, especially with a new regime coming in. That should not be an issue. But it is to Sean Payton because he is old school and becoming from that Parcells family tree, some coaches believe that you will give away a stinking trade secret if you have a 90-second interview during a preseason game in the NFL. When it comes to the in-game interviews, I haven't worked on live events like you have, right? So you're somebody that 
probably appreciates the in-game interview more than traditionally I have as a viewer. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't say this in case I want to work on live events one day, but a lot (laughs) of the times the in-game interview that we get, it's from the coach and they give us nothing. It's a 20 second answer. I could predict the answer. It's very PC. It's very annoying. You give us a whole lot of nothing, right? The in-game interview with the player, though, I feel very differently about. And you referenced some of that access that we've seen recently and that we've gotten in baseball. I think it actually tremendously helps baseball and the growth of baseball to the younger generation. Because not only does the younger generation want to see behind the curtain, so it helps the growth and the future of every sport, but it plays well on social media, right? That's what you're really looking for. How are you selling this thing to the kids not watching the entire game but firing up TikTok that then want to tune in to the live broadcast to see their favorite player how do you get those kids invested in these individual players and the way to do that is to provide them more access to these guys and so I think Sean Payton is off the mark when it comes to trying to limit that access I understand his job is probably not to protect the future of the game and his job is probably not to sell his players or the brand to a new generation of fans but that should be the job of the NFL commissioner everybody else involved there in the offices in New York of the NFL and something that maybe they should consider moving forward because it is important and that access frankly is important in every sport to continue to grow that sport and foster that relationship between the fan and the stars in these sports the Gilligan hat <laughs> too far Sean like just too See, far I don't have a it's problem sunny with that there man I'm a fan of the bucket hat and I love how he calls it a Gilligan hat right but uh, just too just put, far just put on the old ball cap that, that, that's not that's, to me that's I not mean that I'm a ball a cap kind of gal like if you if we were not on television together I would be in a ball cap right, right now. now I'm in a ball cap absolutely yes. like you you don't, you and I are just getting to know each other right we worked together for the first time last week what you what you will get to know about me Ian Fitzsimmons is that I'm never not in a ball cap I mean I am in a ball cap like 99.99 percent of my life it's one of the reasons I went into radio <laughs> Uh, instead of television, because yoga pants and ball caps are perfectly (laughs) acceptable in this radio medium. And that's what I love so much. That is my uniform. So I am a hat kind of girl. If somebody told me I couldn't wear hats, I'd be incredibly disappointed, particularly if what I was doing was outdoors. It's outdoors. Wear hats. You know, when it comes to the ball cap, there's certain there's another generation also that doesn't like you to turn it around backwards. I know. Sean Payton would be that guy also. Turn 100%. your hat forwards. Oh, there's zero doubt in my mind. If, if he's if he doesn't want the bucket hat, I can damn sure ensure you that he is not turn he doesn't want his players turning it around backwards. My mom, it's a true story. When my brother was a young QC for the Indianapolis Colts, when Peyton Manning had his neck surgery, Devin, he's going to hate me for calling him by his government name. He goes by Fitz in football circles. He's up in the booth, and who's sitting next to him? 18, Peyton Manning. Fitz has got a ball cap on backwards, a dippy treat in the size of the state of Texas. My mom was ready to get on a plane, fly to Indy, and beat the ever-loving snot out of her baby boy. Play, because your because your mama was more upset about the backwards cap, the, the cap, the, the combo, the cap, and the dippy treat on Ugh. national television. Young boys and girls are watching this. You're a coach, and you're sitting next to a legend. You're an embarrassment to this family. Get that crap out of your lip and turn your hat around forward, son. <laughs> I She's yelling about- at me. I'm like, 
you're yelling at the wrong kid. Oh, well, that's what you do, though. When you have have multiple kids, you're supposed to yell at all of them, right? For for the sins of one. Uh, That's how it works. I I do not. I agree with her about the thing in in your brother's lip. I got to be honest about that. I do not agree with her about the backwards baseball cap. Mama really wouldn't like me. I was wearing a backwards baseball cap all day yesterday. It's still professional. Mama Simmons, believe us. This is ESPN Radio. More next.